War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts you can reach them at 508-252-3359 propane heating and cooling it's propane plus their team's been there three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they plan on serving you for a long time to come they offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Good morning. It is Tuesday. It is August 2nd. Obviously, high drama going on in the world right now. Uh, the big story. Now, there's a lot of news on this on this Tuesday. Uh, but the, the big drama has to do, obviously, with uh, Speaker Pelosi and this trip to Taiwan. And it just it, it is interesting how... The White House doesn't seem to have, you know, proper, clean talking points. Um, I, I think the Wall Street Journal had a good piece saying they, they, the White House should not have come out and said that they don't think she should be going, but they don't want to tell her what to do. So it, in, in other words, they shouldn't be in any way bucking, so to speak, to, to China and and i think she should go and i support her going and if she wants to go then then she should uh this whole business of 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 them dictating to us whether or not in fact um that she should should go they're a sovereign nation and um and she should visit if she wants to visit so and that seems to be in play right now so we're going to follow that that story obviously it is like it is the big national story of the day in some ways it kind of takes away from the big drone strike boy it took a while to get that al-qaeda leader but apparently they did finally get him after think of that 20 years searching for the guy i mean that's a long time to be over there hiding in in caves um but the the pelosi story without question that is um that is the big national story And, and if anything simply because it's an unknown as to i want to play this is uh jake sullivan national security advisor on the today show talking about speaker pelosi and what's at stake with her going to um to taiwan that controversial trip and what's at stake when and if House Speaker Pelosi touches down in Taiwan. NBC's chief foreign affairs correspondent, Andrea Mitchell, joins us now. Hey, Andrea, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. Well, all indications are that barring a last-minute change, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is indeed on her way to Taiwan this morning. In the face of Beijing's strong warnings of very serious consequences again today, and military saber-rattling not seen in decades, claiming it violates Chinese sovereignty. Uh, that Taiwan agreed to by the U.S. more than 40 years ago. The House Speaker touring Asia this week with a big question mark in her itinerary, leaving room for an anticipated stop in Taiwan today. Despite White House concerns, it could lead to a military confrontation with China, deliberate or accidental. Publicly, the administration warning China not to overreact. If the Speaker does decide to visit, and China tries to um, create some kind of a crisis or otherwise escalate tensions, that would be entirely uh, on Beijing. In the past few days, China launching the most aggressive military exercises in 25 years, accusing the U.S. of interfering in its internal affairs. Taiwan responding. The U.S. sending the aircraft carrier Ronald Reagan to the region. It's not so much uh, that there might be a direct attack. 
but it raises the stakes of miscalculation and confusion, which could also lead to unintended consequences. Pelosi would be the first House Speaker to set foot in Taiwan since Newt Gingrich in 1997. But she's been a hawk on Taiwan for decades. Three years ago, tweeting this news report of herself and two other Congress members in Tiananmen Square in 1991. We've been told for two days now that there's freedom of speech in China. Unfurling a banner in tribute to those who died there two years earlier and facing down police. Two weeks ago, President Biden had warned the U.S. military did not want Pelosi to go. I think that... The military thinks it's not a good idea right now. Shouldn't have said but that. But on this issue, she's apparently willing to split with the president. Good. Backed by many other Democrats good. and leading Republicans. Once it was pretty clear she wanted to go there and intended to go there, uh, you can't pull that trip down because the right. Chinese Communist Party sends out some yes. third-rate propagandist to threaten with her. Mike Pompeo. To threaten the United States of right. America. Good. Now the question is, if the speaker is about to approach Taiwan on a U.S. military plane, how will the Chinese Air Force respond? Already in anticipation of her visit, global markets today are down, fearing a crisis, and because Taiwan is the world's biggest producer of computer chips, including its exports to China. Oda? All right, Andrew. I, I completely support her going. She should go. Uh, Jake Sullivan uh, was also on the Today Show. I mentioned this. In, uh, I just want to hear this part where he answers questions about her trip. On another topic, NBC and others are reporting that Speaker Pelosi is expected to visit Taiwan today. Can you confirm that? Have you been given a formal heads up? I cannot confirm that because the Speaker makes her own decisions about her travel, and the Congress is, of course, an independent branch of government. What I will say is that a Speaker of the House has traveled to Taiwan before, and members of Congress travel there all the time, including several who have already traveled there this year. So for China to try to turn what is in the historical norm into a crisis or to try to use it uh, as a pretext for aggressive action around Taiwan uh, that's on them, and they would be the ones who'd be escalating. The United States has no interest in escalation, uh, but we will, of course, continue to assert our right uh, to help support Taiwan's self-defense, no matter what happens in the coming days. Good. We've heard the Chinese officials, a foreign ministry spokesman, saber-rattling for sure, saying, as for what measures China is prepared to take, quote, if she dares to go, we'll wait and see. Whoa. What is your message to the Chinese leadership this Screw. Well, President Biden was clear in his call with President Xi. I've been clear with my Chinese counterpart uh, in the last few days and weeks. Number one, the United States, uh, our policy on Taiwan has not changed. That's right. Uh, so the uh, ball is in China's court yep. to escalate, That's not right. to take measures that would destabilize relationship, uh, right. relationship across the Taiwan Strait. But, of course, the United States is going to do whatever is necessary to defend our interests, right. to protect our people, Damn right. and to ensure a free and open Indo-Pacific. And we are going to continue that policy as we watch what China uh, does in the coming days. But again, Savannah, nobody uh, has an interest in escalation in this situation, and China should think very carefully about that as they consider their next steps. And finally, you just mentioned the administration has made clear it supports the right of any member of Congress and the Speaker to visit. Taiwan. A different question, though. Did you or anyone at the White House actively try to dissuade Speaker Pelosi from making this trip? And all things being equal, does it add or enhance national security that she goes, or does it detract from national security given the environment right now? Well, we did uh, provide Speaker Pelosi a number of briefings. We gave her military briefings, intelligence briefings, diplomatic briefings, where we laid out all of the factors at play here, including the risks. But throughout it, we were clear that this was ultimately her decision to make, as it is any member of Congress's decision to make, because, of course, they are a co-equal branch of government. So now our Here's responsibility, if she does choose to go uh, forward... Listen, I say she goes. I say she goes. Well, folks, again, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Uh, this is going to play out as the day goes along. Now, uh, we had the deadline, end of July, as far as where the money race is right now in the race for governor. And I think Channel 12, apparently Governor McKee has retaken the lead, according to newly filed reports with the Board of Elections. Uh, I think I have some sound on this. I think I have some sound on this. Yes, let's hear it. 
morning as the race for governor heats up, we're getting a closer look at the amount of campaign cash the Democratic candidates have on hand right now. Kayla Fish joining us live in studio to break down the numbers. Hey, good morning, Patrick. Well, according to the latest campaign finance reports released overnight, incumbent Dan McKee has taken a big cash lead as he and his challengers get ready to go head-to-head -head in the final six weeks before the primary. Now, the newest numbers as of June 30th show McKee has $1.2 million on hand after only spending about $140,000 in the last quarter. He just started airing TV ads like this one in July, unlike his challenger, Helena Folks, who was the first among the Democratic candidates to air a campaign spot. Folks was the previous financial leader but lost her cash advantage after shelling out more than $1.3 million during the quarter with almost half going toward her TV commercials. So let's take a closer look at exactly how much cash each candidate for governor has on hand. You see it right there on your screen. Dan McKee in the lead but close behind is his Republican challenger, Ashley Kalis, with $1.1 In terms of the other Democrats in the race, Nellie Gorbea edged out folks for second behind McKee. And rounding out the list are Matt Brown and Luis Daniel Munoz. Now, the six candidates for governor will be together tonight, taking part in a forum on the environment at Rhode Island College. In the meantime, you can find more details about the latest campaign finance reports right now by visiting our website, WPRI.com. Live in studio this morning, I'm Kayla Fitch. 12 news so good report uh interesting there obviously folks if she wanted to she could pump in more money uh she has spent an awful lot of money as a matter of fact so as they're coming down the stretch now this is interesting and and now this is i mean this is it this is a, a problem they may face is how much money they would go through and how much would they have left for the general election i don't think any of them can afford to leave any money on the table. So whoever wins the primary will not have initially a lot of money to start off in the general election. And Ashley Kalis, one of the benefits of not having a challenger in the Republican primary is having that amount of cash on hand that, that the Republican challenger is going to need. So, but Governor McKee, folks, again, she could today write herself a check for 500000 for $1 million. Unless she already has a figure in mind, like I'm not spending any more than this. And she may be doing that for uh, the month of August. And again, um, since she got the endorsement, I don't think raising money for her is going to be a problem. Folks, all this money now down the stretch going to want to go into the ground game. This is where it's about. It's collecting ballots. Um, notice we still have not had a full debate. They mentioned a forum that they're going to appear on. It's supposed to be about the cli about climate. But um, we have not heard, you know, anything as far as um, of it, it, it's still going to be some time. Early voting is going to start. Voting is going to be underway by the time they finally get on the debate stage. I'm, I'm disappointed the debates are so late simply because by the time the debates happen, a lot of people have already voted. Um, traditionally, Channel 10 is kind of wanted to go last in, in, in traditional campaigns. I think that made sense. Oh, it was interesting, but I don't I don't think so about now. All right, a lot ahead on this Tuesday. Again, folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care, urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families specializing in ambulatory medicine diagnostic treatment service at med urgent care they provide immunization school sports physicals they're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical orthopedic and trauma work-related injuries physical exams drug testing full laboratory services and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. To the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online 
at our website, thefeatrum.com. It's right on the left-hand side. Just click Listen Live. Joining me right now is one of my siblings. She is an independent opinion maker, columnist. It is uh, Donna Perry. And, DJ, I'd like to start off. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I mean, they really hyped this as the return of Chris Cuomo. There's now this offshoot called News Nation, and they have some people that uh, certainly have some experience. Ashley Banfield, Dan Abrams is now part of that. And it was a sit-down interview with Dan Abrams and now Chris Cuomo, who had said, you know, he had something big in the works. He has now joined this kind of upstart uh, News Nation. And uh, interesting to hear your thoughts on, number one, that's where he has landed, and number two, his, his big interview with Dan Abrams. Yes, and uh, good to be with you, John. Um, You know, I do find this is interesting and it's going to be curious to watch. Um, Certainly Chris Cuomo had a momentous, you know, very loud, messy, uh, you know, exit from CNN. Um, And but someone I think of his ego and his, you know, posture, um, these guys, you know, they're going to make their way back. And I do think... What, what I'm watching by some of his comments, John, I think he's one thing he's very good at. He's conscious of his brand. And so I think what he's he, what he's deciding he's going to do, <clears throat> at least by some early comments I've seen, you know, he's making comments that would be challenging what have been the conventional wisdom at CNN in terms of, let's say, January 6 hearings. Uh, it made some noise on Twitter that he's saying things like, well, despite all the testimony, you know, and disturbing things, I don't see anything that would be like legal trouble is kind of what he's saying for Trump. So, um, and he's obviously uh, a lawyer. And and so him saying things like that, I think is something to watch if he has decided that he is going to go kind of against what I'd call the conventional wisdom. I think he's using a term like the insurgent media. And I think it's, it's actually kind of interesting to see where he goes with his comeback. Um, and I don't know that much about News Nation, but I think they're trying to build something maybe interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and John, like I do think, like by all polls that you and I have talked about many times, the conventional networks, the MSM or the mainstream media, the legacy media, whatever you want to call it, they are so low regarded yes. um, by point. the public, you know. Yeah. Um, so I absolutely think um, that there is also room just, I mean, I think if people can make or be allowed to make, there are logical arguments that can counter what is, you know, what they all repeat each other, as we all know, all day and all night mostly, and they take their cue from New York Times, Washington Post headlines. We know how it works, right? They, the other people do a lot of this research and then they put anchors up to kind of repeat what New York Times said this morning. You know, that's how kind of how it works. So I, I don't know. Like, I think if you were him, um, they talked about that they think, well, he came in for a million-dollar contract. That's He was making a lot more at CNN. But look, if you've gone through what he went through, I would think right. you'd be grateful he's coming in at yes. a contract. I do think um, it will be curious. I don't hear a lot of, you know, resistance or pushback um, from, let's say, the Me Too movement that got behind his brother's shenanigans, meaning, you know, so one thing that I think is true, and you have pointed this out, John, so many times, the media has a very short attention span. And I think that other people, they just move on. So he's interesting, you know, not only did he land there with this upstart news station that somehow they're like channel 12 is part of whoever has started this uh, news station. They're Channel 12 is, is part of, you know, they have a oh, next stations. star media. Next star, yeah. That's exactly right. right. So there's definitely money there. But um, so whoever made the call, it was kind of like instead of just announcing that we're going to give them a show, um, but it, and take it, you know, a gamble yeah. on it a little bit. But let's also milk it and we'll also do the first interview. So somebody made that decision. And I thought it was, you know, it was a good decision. And, and it is interesting, Don and Perry, how you see. You know, on the right side, you see America One, then you have Newsmax, and they've kind of, you know, upstarts that are more on the conservative side. Yeah. News Nation seems to be, it, it's more of kind of what CNN used to be. And then they're, 
you know, Ashley Banfield, Dan Abrams, they obviously have money because they're paying good talent. Yeah. But that's going to be the question. Is there room for more of a, you know, for someone that would be a Chris Cuomo that would go against the grain? Yeah. And, and I would say in other stuff that's popped up and I think you've made reference to it, John, let's face it. Um, the, these networks that the ratings have tanked, um, by and large, Trump was always their best story and that's why they go back to it. But, uh, you know, there is new ownership, let's say of a, of a, you know, a, a central network like a CNN who, who seems to be saying, we need to get back to being the breaking news network, an emphasis on the news reporting and less of these repetitive partisan opinion shows. Um, and, you know, we're, let's be honest, and they, it does, it is repetitive, and they would have these very partisan panels, and they did that for four years under Jeff Zucker, and then, you know, <laughs> he had uh, left. And so I think that there is a sense, as you say, John, that. There's certainly money to be made because if you are alienating half of the nation. Right. And that's, I think, a big part of what all this is about. Right. Like not only are they trying to bring a Republican point of view forward a little bit, John, they're trying to bring maybe those Republican viewers back. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And that's what yeah. I also want to ask you about. And there was apparently there's a story that the new head of CNN has been apologizing to Republican politicians and saying they want to mm. have them come back, begging them to come on as guests. You know, Donna Perry, the, we reached a point, though, where especially it's the progressives. If they were to have on Kevin McCarthy or Lindsey Graham or Mitch McConnell, many people on the left that, you know, that are described as the tolerant, but the progressive, they, they have it's not they don't have interest in the interview. Their question is. Why are you even having them on? That's how far like it is gone. And that's how to me, you know, think of that. You know, yeah. if, if CNN has on Mitch McConnell or in this, you know, or someone like uh, even Joe Manchin, for crying out loud, or Kevin McCarthy, the reaction of of some of the left and it's almost like acceptable is, gee, why would you be having them on? They're a Fox News guest. I think it's right. interesting the new head of CNN is saying we, we have to get these people back on, on the network. Yeah. And, and I think you're absolutely going to see that um, yeah. because I, like I say, number one, I think it, it helps them rebuild very, very damaged credibility that it's all one-sided. Yeah. The public has lots of options today and, and they're, they want the eyeballs back. Let's face it. Um, and I do think you have different leadership that felt Zucker brought that thing in the way wrong direction. And again, their, their numbers prove it. Um, and they want to reshape their image because John, at one time, CNN, they really are not considered, you know, the trusted news when something happens. And I think though, as Ukraine happened, they really tried, they gave it lots of coverage. They want to be first. They want you know, that's world global conflict news. You were there um, and things like that, but it's big business. And you, as I say, you can't alienate half the country. Um, And I also think your point is so true where Fox to their credit, Tucker Carlson will say almost every other night, I have asked this person to come on. We don't, you know, he is not afraid to debate you at all. And I find most good conservative hosts like you will always say, I, you, I welcome you to come on and debate. Um, Whereas you have this kind of progressive JD, they're like silence your opponents. And like, it's almost, absolutely. That's the attitude. Like that, right. That it's almost like, um, you know, just would be horrible to quote, like, go on their network. Look, they're a viable network. They're the most watched every night. So, yep. um, All right, folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios and much more call them today for a free quote 401-732-1730 j perry paving they are tremendous they also how about this once a month they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran and remember whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed 
Call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now. 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. We're speaking with independent columnist, opinion maker. It's Donna Perry. DJ, what happens um, with the January 6th hearings and everything that has happened that there's a, certainly been a lot of noise and they've, they've gotten more attention and more detail um, than I think a lot of people expect them to. But what happens if Liz, Liz Cheney loses her primary coming up? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the clock is ticking on this because that's very close, what, like two weeks away. Um, by all indication, she is going to to lose to this uh, Harriet Hageman, um, you know, very conservative and is a Trump back person. Um, and, you know, Wyoming voters seem like they despite what people thought maybe a year ago, John, the Cheneys, you know, they are Wyoming. Well, it looks like she's kind of worn it out. So I think that it it does a couple of things that are significant for the committee. Because if you think about it, there had been talk even this summer recently that they would go to the highest levels. Maybe Mike Pence would give them, you know, like a private testimony of some discussion. I think that would be pretty big. Um, I'm not sure where that stands. But I think at this point, let's face it, the way the calendar runs, if she loses the primary. Now, obviously, she continues to serve out her term, which is just to the end of the fall, really, right? Um, but I think it becomes clear that uh, legally there are other high-profile people that were in Trump's orbit and the administration, John, they can just play the game of run out the clock because yeah. um, we know legally, I mean, what Bannon went through, like, let's be honest, you can ignore the subpoena, ignore the subpoena, two months passes, three months, you know, I mean, it's very easy to ignore, you know, run out the clock at this point. So if she is then, you know, really going to have to step down. Uh, as far as I know, the committee, John, it's very questionable. Would they have any juice past this fall, right? Because right. especially if the Republicans are kind of exactly. taking over. Who would have no appetite so, for this in any way. Yeah, I mean, she's been, let's face it, I think she's been kind of the momentum of it. She's certainly been the face of it. Um, she there, you know, has done all the main interviews. And so she's really been the central force for it. So yeah, I think the clock will tick and then we'll see what, what has to come out of it. If, you know, for people who are watching this, it's really then in the hands of the department of justice. Um, right. They, you know, they're a committee. They're not, you know, they're not a prosecutor um, entity. So we'll no. see, we'll see where and it goes. We just want to remind, or I want to remind people, um, th this has been, it has been one-sided and there has been, it's not really a trial, it's more of a hearing. We haven't yeah. heard defenses. We haven't heard pushback. Right. A lot of accusations. They certainly have gotten views. They got, I think, 19 million people tuned in to that Thursday night. And they certainly made some headway uh, after, if, if, if they accomplished anything, I think it's what we had touched on, and that is that the Wall Street Journal and, and New York Post said, based on, you know, we've seen enough, based on what we watched, yeah, the president, yeah. president Trump was inactive, that that he's unfit to serve. So whether or not rise to a crime, whether or not there be any type of charge, I I would almost say I agree with Chris Cuomo on that. I don't know about that, but um, but definitely has done more damage than I think some people thought. Now, Donna Perry, what about the fact that um, – over the weekend, everyone's kind of going along, and all of a sudden we get word President Biden once again has come down with with COVID, yeah. um, which is kind of hard to believe simply because he had quarantined himself, and then you think he would be uh, very, very careful. But I, I think this just raises questions with people of, you know, this whole business of the testing, and he seems fine, and this time was very mild symptoms. But yeah. what, are, what are your thoughts on the, the Biden lingering COVID here? Well, you know, I think it just raises questions of it, it reinforces, John, the sense of how vulnerable is his health, number one. Yeah. Um, you know, they talked about this issue and they try to you know work on the semantics saying, well, when you take that, um, uh, the name escapes me of the um, when they take 
the treatment. It's Pamela. Pamela, thank you. Yeah. Padlava. So I don't know. I mean, you take something like that and they're saying, well, if you have to take it within the correct course of that you came down with, um, with the, you know, you tested for COVID. One thing I would say, I would agree with people who've said that the excessive, it, to me, it points to the fact that, I don't know, the excessive testing yes. um, is an issue in and of itself because they believe many people through the course of having COVID, John, three days later, you know, when they had to have these rules, you can't return to the classroom. They probably still had COVID in their system. Right. And, and maybe in his defense, like it could be that it's just wear it, taken longer to wear itself through. It's only been like, what, eight or nine days since he first got it. I don't know. So I think it kind of makes the case of that, like testing tests, you know, in every day. Well, and as Trump a said, the more you that, test, the more, you know, you're going to I kind of agree with yeah. what Trump said. We're doing too much testing because it's like anything else. It's kind of like, you know, if you had a flu and they took your temperature, you know, every 12 hours, you'd say, well, I'm getting over it. But yeah, I look, I kind of still have the flu, but I'm so I, I'm not comparing it to the flu <laughs> for anybody out there. But, but getting to Biden, yeah. I think it almost, you know, he his numbers actually seem to go up every time he's dropping out of sight. Yes, right. Well, I, you know, and I think that there's, they, it shows the staff, John, gets very nervous at the anything, these bouts of things that it just reminds people, as I say, he's old, he's fragile, um, you know, and they don't want it being an, oh, and he's sickly and, you know, he's got it again. And so we made that kind of, hey, folks, everything is fine. That little funny, you know, speech he made on the terrace of his house. Um, which I thought was curious in and of itself. He's like, hey, folks, Joe Biden here. I don't yeah. know, a, a president, you don't usually have to introduce yourself. Right. But in any case, he was trying to be folksy because that's kind of his the way they want him to look. Um, I would just say, I'd say this, if he works his way through this, maybe it was this funky rebound version of the case, you know, that the people get. I think if a month from now, he suddenly seems to be, you know, getting another variant. I think it's that's a super big problem for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, folks. Again, we're speaking with Donna Perry and and uh, DJ. As as we are speaking, the big story is uh, will she or won't she? You know, Nancy Pelosi certainly uh, making the White House nervous. But this Asian trip, she's uh, last time a speaker visited Taiwan was twenty five years ago. China is making some real threats here and doing exercises and, you know, really warning her in the United States um, whether or not and what would exactly happen if Speaker Pelosi, uh, different news organizations are reporting that she mm -hmm. is expected to visit Taiwan and then and stay overnight. What, what are your thoughts on, on this uh, Pelosi trip? Right now, as we're speaking, it's still tentative that she is going to visit Taiwan. Right. Um I think all the noise around it and now the drama um, is, is again showing the White House, John, and their handling of these kind of things is, to me, not strong and not clear in what they're putting out. Um, and I think the fact that, you know, again, it, it is not, in, and many other, you know, pundits have already observed this. By the way, it's not unusual. Like uh, members of Congress go to Taiwan quite right. a bit every summer. They use the time and they have more free time. Um, the other speakers, Newt Gingrich, I guess, was the last one to go. Um, it is very important for the U.S. to see a free independent Taiwan, by the way, continue. Um, and obviously China has other ideas. So I think the way this is... Um, being handled. And I think, I think it says something kind of funky about Pelosi, who is the third highest ranked, you know, U.S. official being, you know, that China thinks that they're just going to make all these menacing comments and not just comments and talking about fighter jets and all this yeah. stuff. Um, I believe as we're speaking right now, the U.S. Navy has deployed warships to just be like out there yeah. um, on, you know, on the Taiwan Strait uh, area. Um and, you know, I think the, that they have the U.S. under Biden in these past few days, John, it was a lot of mixed messages. I mean, on the one hand, they're almost trying to distance themselves, which I thought is very strange. They're in the same party. She's high up. Like they almost acted. They kept saying things like, you know, it's up. It's up to her. 
um, and it's her agenda. But, well, she's on a U.S. military plane. So obviously right. there's very tight coordination with the White House. So I don't know why they kept putting that out. Biden got caught on a tarmac days before he got sick. And I think he said something like, well, the military doesn't think it's a good idea. Well, that to me, that was the president of the United States signaling that like he didn't, quote, think she should go. Uh, her team was very quiet. I just think all of this, again, does not make us look strong, resolute. Yes. Um, I Certainly think we, not on the same page. Not on the same know? page. And I think guys like Tom Cotton have come out who's, you know, very highly regarded uh, Republican senator. And, and you know, I, he was saying, why can't the president, why can't his spokespeople right away just say, hey, listen, we do not appreciate the Chinese making these kind of menacing yes. um, threats. Yeah. Um, we have a long tradition of high ranking members of Congress going to Taiwan. You know, John, like that, like why, why, why are they, they can't do that, like for some no. reason. And yeah. just say to the Chinese, hey, back down. Like right. she's going on just, you know, John, they, you know how this is. A lot of it is formalities. They have these very, you know, meetings with a lot of, photo ops and she's not signing agreements or anything. Um, so I just think it, the way the white house has handled it has not been as, as good as you can. I do think it's, it is a little menacing as I say, to see the Chinese like ramp this up and, and now she's on a military plane and they're talking about fighter jets, but I think you need a stronger response from the white house. From the white house folks, quick break, much more head Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro show. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006. And also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439 439- 6028 439 6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at Yankee Tree Service, the licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call, 439-6028, or online at yankeetreeservice.com. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. We're speaking with independent columnist, it's opinion maker Donna Perry. And DJ, um, there's an interesting story in uh, the New York Times that illustrate that the last time President Trump was on Fox News, it was uh, more than 100 days ago. He went on with, uh, they even mentioned he went on with Sean Hannity, and he was still saying that he won the election. And it's kind of the, the, the gist of the article and Newsmax is, by the way, really make a big deal about it, saying how, you know, how he won't go on and trying to really point that out, I think, to the audience. But, you know, you've worked in both politics and media. We've talked about this a little bit. Yeah. But what, what, do you, what is your take on the fact that and, and in the article in The New York Times, it was pretty prominent. It was, well, you know, they had good quotes and, and I have every reason to believe every part of it that he's very upset. And, and it's almost they were hinting that it's it's worse than than bad coverage is just no coverage that he's not being mentioned they're talking about other candidates um and then but over the weekend the picture with uh tucker carlson was was with the president with president trump at his uh golf club uh bestminster 
But what would you make of that, that this huge story that, that basically Fox News, that he's no longer on there and they seem to be moving on? Um, I think there's probably a little bit of truth in this. Um, and then there's maybe a, a little bit of an exaggeration on the part of a lot of the rest of the media, John, which I think they kind of like salivate at the notion um, because, you know, the other networks are always envious of Fox's huge you know, voice and their huge ratings and all that. Um, on both sides of this, I, on the one hand, I, I agree with um, Howie Kurtz, the media critic, I think um, on his show on the weekend, Media Buzz, he kind of came out right on the line and said, well, excuse me, there is no edict coming from the top of the network to not interview Trump, you know, to not put him on our airwaves. He said, that's just not true. So, um, you know, I think that he wanted that to get out there. Um, and it, it again, it could be that there's just maybe Trump himself has felt irritated with the network um, because they've tr- I think they try to play the retrospect on the election, John, a little more down the middle at this point. And, um, you know, I think they again, they they don't want to say we're not going to just repeat everything you say you know right. with, yeah. and i think for their law again these networks these these people have to take the long view they're in a long game right and i think they they have just decided john for their audience there's many there's and trump is of course the biggest game in town but there's many other prominent conservatives who are very active in the game, so to speak, right now, you know, in office. And so I think they just have to cover everybody. Um, I don't think that it exactly the way it's been reported, let's say, by the New York Times is, is well, as Howie Kurt said, that it, that story just didn't get it right. You know, well, so. it was, I, I mean, I watched in last week at Turning Point when they did mm-hmm. show part of, of Mike Pence. Vice President Pence, they did not show the president. They don't show his rallies. Hmm. Um, he certainly has not had a presence as much. I, I'm going to differ, and I think there is something to it. And what I'm going to point okay. to um, is, you know, on January 6th, after they called Arizona, I on January yep. 6th, people at the at the uh, ellipse, at the speech, in the aftermath of that, Newsmax bumped up. Um, I think there was a feeling that President Trump kind of went after Fox, and and they, you know, don't have a short memory. And on yeah. January sixth, there was a lot of hostility towards the Fox crews that were in Washington from the crowd. And suddenly, you know, this mm. was normally a crowd that'd be fans of theirs and suddenly you know they're they're not fans of theirs but there are people that are banned from that network rudy giuliani is not on they don't have on the sun because rudy is is banned um this business of you know Sidney powell is is not right allowed on fox if you look at where they've gone michelle malkin is no longer on ian coulter is no longer on they are not afraid if they feel that someone is going to maybe drag them down or get them entangled Right. You had that Laura Logan that went on the air and said that that Fauci, you know, compared him to like almost the Nazis. Oh, and she's now gone. Yeah, she was banned. So I, I'm going to disagree and say hmm. I, they look at the long game. They yes. don't like some of the allegations that were made. They don't want to have to be, you know, followed up with the lawsuits. And I think that Hannity appearance, you know, there it is at the end. He's still claiming and saying you know i won the election and that was like the final words he used to be on fox and friends every monday and now all of a sudden boom silence so i i think there is something to it but i think you know you look back in 2016 cnn used to carry the rallies msnbc used to carry his rally oh forever i yeah. think that <laughs> as much as he has the the truth social you know his app which I just find to be an echo chamber and I, yeah. I don't really go on it. I, I think it's kind of what you've said is they look at the long game and feel that they just have no interest in, if anything, it, it leads to legal problems and they just don't want to tr- get dragged down. Into, I don't think it is their imagination. Um, I did see Howard Kurtz say that, but yeah. I think it's, it. you know, you, you look at the time and you look at during the course of the day and 
DeSantis has a big presence. I saw Glenn Youngkin on there the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there is something to it. In, and uh, I'm anxious to see how this starts to pan out for, for 2024. Yeah. Well, I and one thing that was one notable thing that, and I agree with you, when you made that list, I thought, no, wait a minute, you're right. Like, I mean, um, th- there are people who were, you know, and Coulter definitely comes to mind, and Laura Logan was always on. Um, I, I think it's kind of a calculation of a couple quick things on this, fine, to wrap it up. But, you know, I think their message is we're not fringe. We are right. conservative. Yes. But we are where the conservative mainstream is, if you will. And I'm not trying to parse words. But, you know, John, I think there's actually I, I a think very that is right, distinction. Yeah, yeah. Rush always used to say, you know, he was more a conservative, more than just along for the ride with the Republican Party. So. Yeah. Um, and there is a difference um, with Fox, with what their coverage is during the day and then their nighttime shows. Finally, uh, Donna Perry, what, what is your thoughts on that? You know, Joe Manchin now has really taken some lumps from Wall Street Journal and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you make of the fact that he did come to the table and make a deal with them? And obviously, you know, the media, the Biden people, the Democrats are raising the flag on this. But what do you make of the, the deal that Manchin did come with them for this legislation? So um, there is tax hikes in there. Now they're going to get away with saying, well, it's not for, you know, average people. But I think Manchin, um, who is a smart strategy deal maker, John, he did get something out of it. And Chuck Schumer definitely gets a lot out of it. And I'll just quickly say the reason I believe at least for what Manchin is putting out there, and I don't think he would have agreed to it. If he didn't get a provision in there, and a lot of the media, it's probably one of those things you got to really drill through these, you know, 800 page bills. He is saying the language about saying that it would expedite permitting processes for all energy projects. Well, it will help the fossil fuel industry. There's no language in it. And I think he he's talked about that. There's no language in it that would say it's not it's not just for, quote, like, you know, green energy and. Uh, renewables. It's saying all projects and the permitting process, I think, and for, especially for his kind of state um, where, you know, coal is a generator for electricity. Yeah. So um, that it's, I think that was a big part of what he managed to get that in. And, and he probably, you know, argued and debated with uh, Schumer for a long time so that it would not eliminate that. And I, you know, some of the a lot of the media hasn't seemed to really gone, you know, focused on that because they're always so pro only renewables. So right. I think he did get something that is significant in there. And I think as time comes along and people understand the bill, um, that's probably an important thing. What the Wall Street Journal and others say is it's a whole lot of money at that 400 some billion. Um, and then they're questioning like, You know, there's a lot of arguments about what what money for, quote, green um, projects means, John. People just get these. You see this all around our region, by the way. I mean, you see solar panels in huge farm fields. Uh, That means they got the you know, they get a huge government subsidy for that. It's very I mean, you know, people are making money by getting these kind of grants. That's right. Um, So what Schumer gets out of it to me is Schumer gets the bragging rights to say, um, I got this like climate bill in and he's always looking. And I think he needs that because he's looking over his shoulder with Miss, you know, Green New Deal. Um, in his district, AOC, and she probably is, you know, debating, will she ever run against him for the Senate? And I, so I think Schumer gets that piece out of it. Um, and Manchin, like I say, I do think he got that provision and he figures I'll take my lumps on, you know, yeah, there is going to be taxes on, and, and including manufacturing sector. But I think he felt that was a bigger play for him. Exactly. And, and and he is a friend of the fossil fuel industry. So yeah. they hey, crafted the end, a deal. Perry, he's, you know, he's got to get elected. He's got yep. constituents. He's not there to just be the blocker for the Republicans. It is just interesting to me what, a you know, the position he holds and and they commend him when he's they feel that he's standing up to them. But he then uh, finds he has few friends when I, I in the end, he he's a politician. He's an elected official. Of course. He likes yep. doing what he's doing. And. 
and whatever it is, they they certainly um, met the price he was looking for. Folks, again, um, she is independent columnist, opinion maker. It's Donna Perry. DJ, great job as always, and we will talk to you again. You bet. Home again, consignment. Located Governor Francis Shopping Center, fine furniture, art, antiques, glassware, jewelry, buy, sell, or sell in consignment, and estate sales are provided. It's Home Again Consignment. Call John, 401-463-3310. Again, located right in Warwick in the Governor Francis Shopping Center. Home Again Consignment. To the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, depietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube, or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, petro.com And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at petro.com And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, petro.com the Centerdale Revival. Stop in and see them comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Centerdale Revival. Located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Centerdale, right across from North Providence Town Hall. Delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Centerdale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm remember you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com folks visit the website on the website you'll see all our links to social media whether it's facebook or youtube instagram even tiktok plus you if you want to reach me that's the best way to do it we have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 401- 885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209